Let us worship God. reading from the 118th Psalm, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning that your word might fall afresh upon us this day. Amen. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say God's steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I might enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is God's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O God. O God, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you.
from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and God has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good, for God's steadfast love endures forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. Jesus went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a cart that has never been written. Untie it and bring it here. If anybody asks you, why are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent deported and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the cart, its owners asked them, why are you untying the cart? They said, the Lord needs it. They, then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their coats on the court, they sent Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all of the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of our God, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. As he came, as he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace. Here ends the reading. Thank you so much, Ella May and Dad, for that fine reading. Today is only the second time I have participated in the Palm Sunday procession of 7th Avenue Church. And I have to say that was really fun. <laughs> I love that everyone participates. It's not just the choir that marches down the aisle with palm branches in hand or only the kids who, who sing the uh, Palm Sunday Hosanna. We collectively get to be part of the organized chaos that is the Palm Sunday procession. With our bodies, with our voices, with movement, with song, we all get to be part of how the story of Jesus gets told. And all of this, I think, makes a point about the Christian faith and how we're meant to live it, which is on our feet with full-bodied participation. The faith isn't just an intellectual exercise 
a matter of agreement or disagreement with certain doctrines, but rather we are on a journey with Jesus. And where he goes, we go. Where Jesus leads us, we follow. We're not just bystanders on the way of Jesus. We're not just tourists visiting an ancient site. We're full participants in the ongoing story, the living story of Jesus. We've had as our Lenten theme this season, the question, what comes next? And it seems that this question holds so much potential for us in so few words. What comes next can be spoken with dread, right? As in, we've lived through two years of a global pandemic, so now what? What new variant is going to pop up? What new restriction will we need to accept? What comes next? And I'm sure as we've watched footage of the invasion of Ukraine, we've asked ourselves the same question. Our attention is drawn from one city to the next as a trail of devastation moves across the country. What comes next for the cities of Ukraine? What new heartbreak, what new horror have we yet to see? But what comes next is also a question that can be asked with hope. What comes next makes room for new things. It's that anticipation we feel when something we've waited for is coming closer into view. Now you, we're not there yet, but there's definite movement. Now you can begin to see the shape of it getting clearer. And now you get, give yourself permission to enter into the joy of receiving that gift. It's within reach. My husband and I just moved back into our home after very extensive construction work. Work that took especially long due to a bunch of permit delays and COVID-related stuff. For probably maybe more than a year and a half, our construction was halted because of all of this. And all we could see of our house was a howled out space and a bunch of dirt. We had the deconstruction part, but not the reconstruction part. And we had hopes that someday this hollowed out space and bunch of dirt would be our home. But, oh my goodness, what a lot of waiting. How do you wait with hope? The folks who gathered on that very first Palm Sunday had been waiting, as their forebearers had long before them. And this is not the, the waiting for a little construction project to get done. This is the long wait, the excruciating and at times disappointing wait of a people whose hearts were set on the coming of Messiah. All their hopes, all their dreams were fastened on that one thing. 
were we to ask that first Palm Sunday crowd, what comes next? What are you hoping for? There would absolutely be no hesitation in their response. We are waiting for Messiah. We are waiting for the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the one who will bring the fullness of heaven right here to earth. We are waiting for God to break in. So how could these folks not erupt in praise after all they have seen Jesus do? How could they not get to their feet and loosen their voices and let out the praise that had been shut up in their bones? The Pharisees are like, shh, shut up. You don't want to alert the authorities. But Jesus receives their praise because he is the authority. He is the true king, and the people are right to acknowledge this. We say in our communion liturgy, it is right to give God thanks and praise. And it is right. The time is right. The setting is right. The reason is right. Jesus is the Messiah, and if they don't praise him, the rocks and stones are going to make some noise. Creation itself will be the witness. Now, unlike the other gospel writers, Luke calls this crowd disciples. So this is not a generic crowd who just happens to be there in time for a big parade. These are people who have been chasing after Jesus, um, showing up wherever he is. They are followers and not tourists. So these people, these people who have been trying to keep up with Jesus, they've seen things, right? Maybe they were there when Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. Maybe they were there when Jesus called Lazarus, a dead man, out of his grave. Maybe they were there on that mountainside when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And they all sat up a little straighter and leaned in a little more because as strange as that teaching was, Jesus was addressing them calling them blessed. Who does this? Who stands with the nobodies of the world? Who takes a child and puts them front and center, saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like? Who turns things on their head quite like this? Jesus, that's who the one we follow. So let me ask you, was there a time when something like praise welled up in you? When you were witness to a beauty or a goodness which had all the marks of the divine on it? You see a gorgeous sunset or you listen to a piece of music you witness a reconciliation of some sort, a, 
a healing, a transformation. And it's just too beautiful to let that moment go without offering some kind of expression. You have to say, wow, or Hosanna, or your own version of what the psalmist said in Psalm 118. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. We have to acknowledge that something of God's goodness has broken in. Or maybe you watch a child learn the world, right, by naming things. And not just hat or dog or baby, which is so delightful. But this week, our 15-month-old granddaughter learned the word happy. And now she goes about the day and in random moments will say, happy, 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 with a little head bob and a dance announcing her joy and making me happy, 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 too. <laughs> it's been such a good process for the Seventh Avenue community to name the beautiful and praiseworthy things that have been part of the history of this church, to stop and notice and acknowledge that God has been present here and then give thanks for all the gifts, big and small, which have been tangible expressions of God's love. It's right to do this. It's also really right for this church to ask, what comes next? What is the love of God now asking of us? What new gifts are we to receive? Where is Jesus leading us on this next leg of the journey? Remember, it's a journey we're on, and we are disciples, not tourists. Journeys are messy and unpredictable and risky. Journeys require us to improvise. There isn't always a plan. New skills will be required of us. We have to learn how to walk together. And this morning was good practice. <laughs> we have to learn how to include all the people that Jesus includes. And this journey requires us to walk not only with Jesus, but like Jesus. And that means with tears. Did you hear that? in the gospel text this morning. After Jesus is given this royal treatment as he rides down to the shouts of this palm-waving crowd, not on horseback, but on a lowly donkey, what comes next is that Jesus catches a glimpse of the city of Jerusalem and he weeps. He weeps. Now we think, Shouldn't he be basking in all the praise? What moves Jesus to tears when there's been so much jubilation? If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, Jesus says through his tears. 
And friends, see, that's the kind of king he is. Not the kind who rules by fear, with tanks and bombs to humble his subjects, but one who is himself humble and willing to be the vessel through which peace will come. The one who out of love will soon walk a different kind of procession to a cross. We who follow Jesus must be willing, yes, to offer our praise for what God has done, but also our tears for what God has yet to do, for all those things that continue to break the heart of God. In my former congregation, some of us had the practice of taking what we would call prayer walks around the Mission District neighborhood where our church building was. If you know the mission, you know it's this crazy mix of a neighborhood, which I have to admit I had to learn to love. Um, it's been a journey. The missions got the hipster coffee shops and designer clothing stores and the community of techies from Google who can afford to support these businesses but it is also the home for the documented and undocumented people from Mexico and El Salvador and Vietnam, for a variety of homeless folks, and for so many, many youth with so many complicated histories. Our practice during these prayer walks would be to go to various spots in the neighborhood and just pray. We would walk sometimes in silence to different spots in our neighborhood and offer our very humble words. We didn't always know what to ask for. It just seemed enough to stand in that place and remind ourselves that God was there. I remember one evening when the pastor of St. Mary and Martha Lutheran Church led us to a spot where one of her own parishioners had been shot and killed, caught in the literal crossfire of gang violence. I could see her anguish. I don't think she could even get the words out. But then she took a little... Um, water bottle, a squeeze water bottle, and she made the sign of the cross on the very spot on the sidewalk where someone that she loved had died. It was an act of defiant hope, a way to say this place is marked with the love of God. It was a way to join our tears to God's tears and claim that in the end, God's love will win out. And it will. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. People of God, let's walk the path of Jesus in the way of Jesus with praise, with tears, 
with full-bodied hope. May we together discover where the living Christ is leading. Amen. As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, 
and for yourself to be given to God.
us pray. Holy God, you have fed us in word, in silence, in processing, in new members, with love and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. People of God, we are on a journey with Jesus. So welcome all that comes with that. Bring your tears, bring your praise, walk in the good company of one another, and let's follow Christ together. Amen. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.